Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. I'm going to talk to you today coming out of this series that Pastor Mark has started us on of jailbreak and how it's kind of the flip side of what we've talked about in Lessons of Lockdown, that there is a freedom that we can have. And and I'm not sure if you're feeling it or not, but on, uh, I think it was yesterday, my phone buzzed off and it was like, stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. You got that? I'm thinking, I am not feeling it. And then I, I get the new restrictions there, and I, I will have a disclaimer to this because I think he has like the worst job on the planet, these guys that do this. Every time I see Dr. Rusin's face coming up, I'm like, I am not feeling it. This guy, like, he doesn't he have like the worst job ever? He has to go out and, to, and here he is, like, I'm sure the guy's heart is, he wants to look after us, care for us, keep us safe. And every time people look at me, they go, oh, police, are you kidding me? You know what? There is something that I have for you today that uh, I think you're going you're gonna to get with and you're going to say, yeah, I'm feeling it. There's some good stuff that's happening here. But way bigger than that, this is something that I want to talk to you about because I think that there is something that God is doing right now that we can prepare for because he has something for us as a church. And that is this, that there is something that we have that the world doesn't have that God wants us to bring and to give in the middle of all the grief and the loss and the frustration and the anger and all the stuff that people are going through in this time. There is something that we have. Let's go back to our text because I want to stir up some anticipation in you and help you to understand that you have something to give that's actually yours. So let's look at our text from Luke chapter 4. And every time I come across the word me, I'd like you to just like say it loud, me. All right, this is, that's your deal. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Jailbreak! And going, yes, I need some of that. Are you feeling it yet? Yeah, we're just starting. Yeah, okay, that's good. Good, good. We're getting there. Now, here's the thing. When I was 26 years old and a senior pastor, <laughs> 26 senior, right? And I, God said, this is your job description. In fact, it's everybody's job description, if you want to take a minute and just think about that. And so I thought, oh, this is great. I can do this. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he anointed me. And I was going, oh, yeah, to proclaim good news. So I was a Mennonite, so I wasn't quite that animated. It was more like chill, but... He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I'm like, oh. And recovery of sight to the blind. Oh. And to set the oppressed free. Oh. I don't got this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there is nothing in here that I've got, right? I can maybe tell people a few things. Maybe got to go find some people in jail or something. And all of a sudden, there was this, this feeling, this thought that came over and thinking, If this is my job description, I can't do this. If this is your job description, until you read the first part of the verse, right? It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the reason why I wanted you to get the me part is because it's actually you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
And those, I think those next four words are those incredible words that all of us need to get. And he has anointed me. Because you know what, guys? I don't think we believe that. Like, to be really honest, we get, get so busy with our life and doing stuff. I get that. There's distractions and everything. But to really get to that place where we believe and we understand that the Spirit of God has anointed me and he is on me. <clears throat> this is where this makes sense. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of it. And this is where there is something that we can move. And I think this is an area, that whole emotional health and mind health, that you and I are going to have the ability to move into our world in a way like we have never seen before. I think Church of the Rock is going to be filled with new people who came to the end of their stuff and they looked around and they say, I got to do something. I got nothing. You know what? I understand that occasionally you and I feel that way. And that's okay. We come to the end of yourself. What, what's at the end of yourself? God is. Every time. And so I, as, I think, as I talk about this, I think about this, you want to take some of it for yourself, but I want to encourage you and challenge you and stir you up to say, God has put you in a place so you can reach out to the people and you can do it in the way that's absolutely just like you. And there's fear and anxiety and stress and loss and all those things. And somebody said this, I thought this is great, that we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. You know, my boat... I got to be honest, my boat is kind of like a yacht. I got a great house that I live in that is good. I got food that is coming to me. I don't have to do anything to make it happen. I got a wife who loves me and puts up with me. Woohoo! Right? And she's there. I got great kids. I got all this stuff going on. But you know what? My boat is very different than a lot of other people's boat. A lot of people struggle with things in a way that I don't struggle with them for. And I understand that. And, I, and you got to, some people, they're in a canoe and they're in the same storm. Some people, they just have a life jacket and they're bobbing around in the water and they're in the same storm. And some of the people that you are living around who are people who look all fine on the outside, they are hanging on to a shred of wood hoping that somehow they're going to make it through. You might be in the same storm, but some people are in a very different boat. And the spirit of the Lord is upon you. And he has anointed you to set the prisoner free, to set the captives free. And so we're going to talk about that. And I think one of the things that we first have to talk about, and I think this is especially true for guys, but I think it's true for everybody, is that we can be really delusional about things that we could say, you know what, I got this, right? And we can live in that land up here where we do this. And I came across this not so long ago. And they surveyed a bunch, a large, large survey of Americans. And they said, if you went into hand-to-hand combat with a a bunch of these different animals, would you win? And you're going to see it coming up. And uh, that's absolutely fascinating to me is that 6% of Americans think that they could beat a grizzly bear in hand-to-hand combat. (laughs) Going, seriously? Really? And you got like lion and elephant and gorilla and crocodile. And clearly this is an American thing because they have goose at 61%. If it's Canadian, goose would be like right in between grizzly bear and lion. Because we know this, right? This is vicious. You've all experienced this. There is a way in which all of us have to get over the I got this thing. And the I got this really has nothing to do with reality. But what it has to do, and what I want to have us think about, is there is a way that all of us that God has designed and put together, 
are not just spiritual beings. And sometimes we're like this, we get into this weird dualism that we think, you know, I pray and I read the Bible and I do all these spiritual things, but this whole other part of me, I don't actually have to take care of. And God really doesn't care about it anyways, right? My emotions, like who cares about emotions? But the reality is, God is actually a whole. He deals with us. He isn't separated all out. It's actually all interconnected. And we know this. And there, that emotional part of who we are, that health needs to, be a, needs to be what we grab a hold of and what we do. And I think as we look at it, you can see this picture of a barrel coming up. And it's kind of like this. is like We're all surrounded by grace and God's got you and he's going to carry you through. But you can have like the staves on the barrel. You can be volunteering. You can be reading the Bible, praying, go to church, listen to podcasts, worship, relations, have all these great relationships. But if your emotional health is low, it drains out. And, you know, I have spent 30 years, more than 30 years doing ministry. And, and what has been heartbreaking for me is to have a whole bunch of people who are super godly, who know the Bible, who pray and do all this. But because they've never taken care of that emotional part in their life, they're actually a train wreck. Is they are the most controlling, manipulative people around. And they, they treat their wives terribly. Their, their homes are in a wreck. Their kids don't want to have anything to do with them because they haven't taken care of that emotional side. And that's the extreme end of it. But for all of us, God cares about us as a whole. He, and he cares about that emotional part of you. And I'm not talking about just having feelings. It's that real, the deep part of who you are. And I want to read this again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because you're thinking about it right now. And he, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. He's set free, recover, and to set the oppressed free. And God is in the middle of doing that. There's... Um, <clears throat> Peter Scazzaro is one of the guys who, in the early 90s, when I first started kind of grabbing a hold of this and trying to think through this, because God sort of arrested me and said, well, you know what? It's not okay just to deal with one part of the person. You actually have to do the whole part of it. And he was working through his stuff. And his story is very funny. I actually saw him at uh, a conference we were at and he and his wife were up there talking and they said, well, you know, how did you know when in your own journey when you weren't doing well? And he kind of looked over his wife and they smiled at each other. And she said, you know, when she said, you know what? I'm not going to go to a church that's going to suck the life out of me. You can stay at this church if you want to. <laughs> and all the pastors here are going, because <gasps> that, that, that's like terrifying, right? And what his wife did was just really called him on the fact that he was living in this whole world where he is doing really well. His devotional life was kind of solid. He had done the right things. His church was growing. People were coming to Jesus but there was a part that was broken. And that part that was broken was the part that God was putting his finger on and God used his wife to put his finger on it and just said, you know what? Actually, this isn't working. There is something that you need to take care of. And, and, and as he said it, and I love the way he said this, he says, you know, I realized over the years that I was in love with the American Jesus and not with the crucified Jesus. I was wanting everything just to be good and to be great and that I would just think about success as, as numbers and everybody looking at me a certain way. And all of a sudden I looked at the crucified Jesus and I saw something completely different. See, Jesus' definition of success is totally different than the American dream. 
Jesus' understanding of what it means to be healthy and to be whole is very different than just grinding yourself to a pulp. And it really what he did is he got down to the place where he understood that he needed to make it happen. Here, here's what I want to do. I want to spend <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of time this morning telling you <clears throat> um, stories of probably a bunch of people that fit into a whole bunch of different areas that I hope you can relate to and connect with because one of these people is actually you. You have the ability to do this and help people out. So I'm going to tell you a bunch of stories. I'm going to tell it really quick, but I want you to relate and begin to connect in with this. Um, and the, the first person is this. The first person that got that jailbreak moment, that got that freedom, was sort of the least likely that I would have thought of. I was a good friend of his, and I knew that he struggled with depression, and I knew that he, it was kind of a deal for him. And I remember one time, about a year and a half had gone by, and he hadn't talked about it. I said, hey, what, like, what's going on? We, I'm sorry, I'm probably being a crappy friend, right? Like, how are you doing with that? And he said, you know what, I'm actually a lot better. He says, I was sitting on the couch one day, and uh, I was watching TV, and I heard a voice say, you got to stop drinking Coke and get off the couch and take a walk. And he did what every intelligent man would do. Get thee behind me, Satan, right? Couldn't have been God talking to him. <laughs> and, and what happened was, he, he, you know, he didn't actually do that. He just said, oh. And what happened was he realized, you know what, his, you know what was causing him? a lot of difficulty in his life was sugar. Can you believe that? It was it. And, and as he kind of weaned himself down off of sugar, his depression lifted and God spoke to him in just that moment. There's another lady who had struggled with anxiety most of her life and it had been kind of debilitating for her. And she came to church one time and I believe it was Pastor Keith who prayed over her and said, have you ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And she said, actually, I don't know what that is. And he laid hands on her and he prayed for her and her anxiety broke in a way that you probably could have never recognized her now that she would ever have struggled with anxiety at all. And there was a power that came through that. Now, I'm going to keep going, but here's what I want you to get. Some of you, for the whole sugar thing, you go, oh yeah, that's exactly right. I'm totally in all over that and do that. You know what? You're going to be helpful in that area. Some of you are going to be like lay hands on people and go, woohoo! Some of you are going to be all over that because that's who you are. All of us together are going to make a difference in our community and it actually needs all of us. The third person I want to tell you about saw a counselor and this counselor began to talk to them because they were, they, they were walking around with a knot in their neck and, uh, and, a, and a tight stomach all the way, all the time that they lived. Everything they did came that. And as they came to their counselor, they began to talk and they realized there was something that was a problem. And that's that they believed a lie that came right back from the time that their father had been sort of one of those old school demanding people and they could never, ever do anything good enough. And they realized at that moment that they had become this raving perfectionist. And some of you are like, I resemble this. This is the way this works. And really what had happened in their life, they'd drive and everybody went crazy. And as they begin to understand that, God revealed through their Christian counselor and that lie was broken. And this was the framework that they began to say. They began to say, you know what? Isn't it so cool that I don't have to do this, that I want to do this? And the power was broken. There's another time that I sat down with somebody and uh, they were really struggling with their life. And, they, and finally, as we began to talk, they said this, and this is like, 
really heartbreaking. He said, you know what? I am no better than the worst moment in my life. I remember hearing that thing. Can you imagine feeling that way? Some of you, you know this exactly because you do feel that way. I am no better than the worst moment in my life. And as he began to talk and realize that there was something that began to happen as we prayed and God just, just kind of gave that moment of saying, you know what, you are my daughter and I love you. And there is nothing that I could have said, but there's something that God said. And he broke that thought over his life. There's another a guy, and, and this is sort of on the other side of the spectrum. Some of you are there. That he had broken up with it. He had had his marriage break up, and he was in this a world of pain and a world of hurt. And he went to a men's, a men's group that he'd been part of, and he was feeling super sorry for himself and all mopey. And he's going around. And the guys in the, in the men's group were like, like guy guys, right? They weren't like, I don't feelings, forget the whole feelings thing, right? And they looked at him and they said, you know what? What's wrong with you, man? You're having a pity party. You're going to end up here for the rest of your life. You're pathetic and you're horrible. Why do you think it is that your wife left you? Because you're pathetic and you're horrible. <laughs> and you're just thinking, that seems a little harsh to me. I'm not sure that that's the best really caring pastoral sort of way to do this. And, and in that moment, God spoke through these guys. You know why? Because God heals and God brings health in the context of relationships. And I think there's a period at the end of that sentence. The only way we get well, the only way we get whole is with people. And God used these crazy guys who were like, didn't seem like a shred of help in them to go. And guy said, you know what? I'm totally feeling like one big pity party. And he began the journey to help to see that he was jailbroken in those things. Somebody else talked about, um, the, 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 a way that they had gone in their life where they had been depressed for, for a long, long time. And he actually was my professor at college. And, and he, he came home one day and he saw his wife again for the thousandth time. And she had that broken, shattered look in her eyes. And he is a conservative evangelical, doesn't believe in a lot of things that maybe I would hold to. And he just went up to her, put his hands on her head and said, in Jesus name, I command depression to leave and you will be gone and never come back. And in that moment, something broke. Now, here's what I want you to do. Some of you are like, that's me. I'm going to go and be crazy and ridiculous and go slap people all over. That's not the point of the story, okay? That there are pieces that God has given us that we have faith for, that he does in a whole bunch of different ways. That There's a worship that happens when, when there's a lady who was molested and she had, couldn't believe that God would allow this to happen in her life. And she was living her life and she was pushing her husband away and she was pushing her kids away and she's pushing all of her family away and she was in that place where her life was going down and she came and she just said, I can't believe this. How can God possibly be my protector if this happened to me. What do you say? Where was God? I think over the years I've learned to say that there's probably nothing that you can say that's going to be emotionally satisfying in that moment. But it doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit and that he hasn't anointed you 
to do something. See, there is a little fixer inside every one of you. And when somebody tells you something, you want to go, especially if you're like a high A personality, you want to go fix them and you're going to tell them and you're going to say the stuff that you do to them and you're going to walk away going, woohoo, I am awesome. And meanwhile, they're thinking, what a jerk. And there comes a part of us where we have to set in place something for people to just stop and be and say, you know what, it's okay to be safe here because I need a place to listen. And I want you to think about this. What does God do in your life? Most of the time, what God does is he just patiently and kindly waits for just the right time to speak in so you can be healed and you can be whole. And you and I have an opportunity to This lady, I remember her just being in that place and struggling and struggling. And she began to put stuff up in the fridge. She began to sing worship songs. And all of a sudden, God broke something in her mind. And she became a person who could say, you know what, despite everything that's happened to me, I know that God is good. You know why? Because the spirit of the Lord is upon her and she was anointed and now she has this incredible way of coming to people who have been hurt and she absolutely makes a difference in their life. There was a... There was a Another guy who went to CR, it's, it's our amazing ministry that we have in church, and uh, he, he was, I've, I've talked about him so I can say this about him, he's one of the prickliest guys that you are ever going to meet in your life. And he's like pushing away, he had like porcupine down to a science, right? You were just waiting for the quills to come out, right? And you know what his deal was? Is that he didn't, he, he never had affirmation. And he was desperately looking for affirmation. I'm going, when he told me this, I went, what? Seriously? You are like the least. And then I shut up because I thought that would be way better. And, and, and I realized, wow. And because of Celebrate Recovery, which is hurts, habits, and hangups, and we, we sometimes think about it's just habits, but it but actually covers all those three things. Amazing, amazing ministry that happens in church is that he began to understand that the reason why he did that was just because he needed to found it. And where do you think he found it? It wasn't actually from the affirmation of people. That was good. But he found his affirmation from God. You see, in everything that we do, guys, there is a sense of, and this is so important for us if we're going to understand and if we're going to minister into this world, that in the context of relationship, God moves, God speaks, and God changes. And you and I have the ability to do that. And you and I have the ability because the Spirit of God is upon me and he has anointed me. And as we walk through this and as we work through this and as we learn together in this, there is uh, an incredible power that I believe we're going to have because the Holy Spirit is brilliant and here's a force none like him. So when he says that he has anointed me, what does that look like? Anointed actually comes from, and I want to take just a minute to talk about that for you. Anointed actually comes from the original thought where when they, they had sheep, they would pour oil. You're going to see a picture coming. They would pour oil all over the sheep and they would anoint the sheep with oil. And what happened then is the bugs and the ticks and all those other things, which would normally get on the sheep and would literally crawl into the ears and into the mind 
This is like so perfect because this is what happens to us, right? We get those things in our mind that wreck us and would kill the sheep. So they anointed the sheep. And at the end of the day, that anointing came. And as you see it in the Old Testament, they would anoint people to, to do three things. And when it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me, this is what you have, that you are called, that you're actually set apart for God's use. And this has nothing to do with your personal holiness or how amazing you feel in the moment. God says, I called you. And he says, when I'm anointed, and that means that I'm called, that I am set apart as holy. And I know for some of us, we go, holy what? (laughs) Like... I I got nothing holy here, right? You don't know my thoughts. You don't know what I do. I can look holy at church for like an hour. Now I don't even have to look that way for an hour. I just can go into bed and watch my church. This is perfect. There is nothing. But see, we're looking at the outside and we're not looking at us the way God looks us. And he says, I'm on a journey of bringing you to new places and new things. And you're just thinking about all the stuff that's wrong with you because you're broken and you live in a broken world. And God's saying, no, no, I don't look at you that way. I have never looked at you that way. I look at you through Jesus and all I see is what you need next to become what I've made you to be. And if there's one thing that I could grab a hold of you and I could put into you, it would be this. I never looked at you that way. I'm giving you the next thing that you need to become who I've called you to be. And every time we look at people in our world who are struggling and working through things, can you begin to see people with those eyes? People are doing terribly squirrely things and they're making terrible mistakes and God's looking and saying, you know what you need? I want to give you the one thing that you need so you can become what I've designed you to be. And the first step, obviously, is you need Jesus. And those are your neighbors and those are your friends and those are the people who might be porcupines in your life. And God says, I have anointed you. You, you are called. Second thing is that you are empowered. That God gives you by his Holy Spirit the ability to do things. I, I love, I, I, I thought that as, as I saw that, those pictures of Pastor Keith, what kind of resonated for me is that whole sense of empowerment. And what I remember a lot about Keith is uh, all those things where he would just soldier on even though it wasn't working. And I think I've told this in, in another setting where uh, Keith and I were at a meeting and it went like what he did kind of didn't work. And uh, so we were sitting around afterwards as pastors and stuff like that. And people said, well, how'd the meeting go? And Keith went, great. And I looked at him and went, what? <laughs> that was not great. I'm not sure what definition of great is, but that was not great. And, and I remember him saying, you know what? I did what God called me to do so it's great. Don't you hate it when you're somebody really holy and then all of a sudden you realize, wow, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Dwayne, you're laughing too hard at that. But it's just like, because then, then all of a sudden everything changes. It's like, am I faithful to what God has called me to do? That's the question. In fact, that might be the only question that God has given you. And because we have this, remember that American Jesus We have this American Jesus that we built up rather than the crucified Jesus where he says, you know what? What was Jesus? He was faithful to what God called him to do. 
So you are empowered to do what God has called you to do. And the last thing is this, is that you are protected. You are free from the world and doing those things that God has called you to do. You are set apart, you empowered, you are protected. First John 2, 27 says this, As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I said, everything that Jesus has given. We now are out to say, this is our job now to go out and to be those things. So I'm going to give you three really quick things that we're going to kind of tie this off with. And, And it really comes out of the prayer, the serenity prayer. And they're this, truth grace and time if we're going to make a difference in our world and i wanted to put it as accessible as possible there's actually the three things that you need truth and these come from the holy spirit truth grace and time and the truth is that except the things that can't be changed grace is going to make things right if i surrender and time is that i can be supremely happy with you forever i'm going to read this serenity prayer and um, there are different versions of this. I think the first is from Assisi's and the Niebuhr, and you may have heard different versions. But I want you to just maybe close your eyes and say this is, and I love serenity because I think in our world right now, that's what we don't have. You ready? Here we go. God, Father, Dad, give me the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, the courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the other one from another. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, and taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, but trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I might be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Now, when I was that, that's become sort of a powerful prayer to me. And I was looking up this, this prayer. I came across other ones that I thought were sort of interesting, which might be kind of the way I actually pray. And the first one comes from Calvin and Hobbes. And uh, Calvin says, what, what, you know what I pray for? It says, the strength to change the things I can, the inability to accept what I can't, and the incapacity to tell the difference. <laughs> I'm a man. I can change if I have to, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty much, that's kind of pretty much my prayer is how I live. And then there is, uh, this is, I think this happened at my 50th birthday. Somebody gave me uh, a whole package of things. You're getting old. And I actually passed that on because 40 is the new 50. I actually passed that on to Isaac. So it's sort of a thing that we get to pass on. And it was this basket of stuff and it had stinging in it like prune juice, like one of those pillows, you know, those soft pillows. And it, and it had a whole bunch of different things in it that were really good. Ben Gay and little blue pills, which were like Tylenol for your joints. What were you thinking? And, and as I did this, and then along with this came the senility prayer. 
And this is the senility prayer that, you're gonna, that, that was part of this. God, grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyways, the good fortune to run into the ones that I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. <laughs> I'm thinking, kind of resemble the last two prayers maybe more than the first one. <laughs> but we're going to go with the first one. How's that? Because it's probably helpful. And so here's what we're going to do. Grace, truth, and time. In the next few minutes, we're going to do this. Truth. I need to accept the things that can't be changed. You know, there are circumstances in your life that you can't change. And during the pandemic, we've probably seen that more than else. There are events in your life that you cannot change. They are yours. There are people in your life that you can't change. The family you have is the family that you have. There are places that are... Uh, there, there are chemistry in your brain maybe that you can't change, but there are some things that you have a choice on. But if you're going to get there, I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes running through something that I think is incredibly important because I think we need to redefine what it means to be a Jesus follower. That we have the wrong picture of it and the right picture comes from just zooming back a little bit on people's life and I'm going to give you eight people's life super quick of how they went through their, their stuff. And this isn't the whole thing, but this is where they started with. First one is David. He was troubled and he battled deep despair. He's incredibly honest. And he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy for me to bear. Elijah was discouraged, weary, and afraid. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Jonah was angry and he wanted to run away. And then he wanted to die. And then God did him something else. And he wanted to die again. And then God changed things and he wanted to die some more. Job suffered through loss, devastation, and illness. And even though he struggled, God said he did it great. But this is what he says. Why did I not perish at birth and die when I came from the womb? I have no peace and no quietness. I have no rest, only turmoil. I loathe my life. Saul in a season, Paul in a season that was really hard, said, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, of the afflictions that we experienced in Asia, for we were utterly burdened so that we were beyond our strength and we despaired of life itself. Jeremiah, who probably had the worst deal of all, right? He had loneliness, he had defeat, he had insecurity, he wasn't allowed to have children or a family. The people that he ministered to hated him. He was poor, he was ridiculed, he was rejected, but he had incredible faith. And he says this, cursed be the day that I was born. Why did I ever come out of my mother's womb to see trouble and sorrow and to the end of my days in shame? We can go through the list of every one of those people And there is something that we need to get if we're really going to start and understand that it is there's truth. And that's this. That even though every one of those people struggled, God never once condemned them for having questions or for going through pain. He didn't tell them to just tough it out. Second thing is this. He was there in their good days and their bad days. Even though they didn't see it, he was always there. And the third thing is that he reached down in the middle of their deepest suffering and at some point, every one of them experienced the hand of God. You see, there's a point at which we start where we need to understand that that first place is true so we can move to the second place of understanding who God is. That's truth. Grace is this is that you will make it right if I surrender. And I just want to give you a quick thought on grace, and that's this. 
is that grace is not somehow fighting for more of God's blessing in my life, but it's actually a grace that comes out of belonging. There is a way in which we can define our life as Christians that we're always grasping for more and somehow hoping that God, that we'll be good enough for God to do it. Instead, he says, you know what? I already got you. You already belong. You know, there's a a gentleman in our church who many of you would know, and he's probably one of our, our, our pillars that I would say in our church and lives and loves God with, a, with his whole heart. And a few years back, he, he came into a season in his life that was probably about two years long where everything fell apart. And I was standing there watching this guy and I thought, I can't believe this. Like, what happened to my friend? He probably knows more scripture than you know. Maybe combined, all of you. Well, maybe not quite, but knows a lot of scripture. Prays does all of the things that prophesies over people. He's got kind of the full package, gave his life, all these things. And all of a sudden, and he had this thought that popped into his mind. He said, you know that ministry that you're in? You're actually not going to be able to finish it and you're going to go through a time of tribulation. He spent two years and at some point he said, you know what, I would cry six hours a day. Sometimes my wife tells me I should cry longer because I'm kind of repressing it because I'm like repressed Mennonite thing. I don't know what it is, but six hours a day. He was so broken and so hurting and some of the most simple things in his life he couldn't do. And it was absolutely terrifying. And he just kept crying out to God. And every time God didn't answer his prayer, he felt rejected by him. And, and there's a time where he came to that place where he said, God, I want you to do this. I want you to heal me. I, I, and God said to him, says, if you're going to be the rest of your life this way, what are you going to do? And then in that day, three, in that week, three people came along and kind of asked, said the same thing in different ways. You see, the prayer was, God, I want a jailbreak, and I want it now, and I want you to do it. And what he did was, he got something way better than that immediate jailbreak. Is he dug in, and he said, God, I want you. And what he did, and I asked, okay, tell me, you've been through this. And he's like risen to a place that's amazing. He's, you know, still working through some things, but it's an amazing story. I said, okay, tell me, what is it, right? What, what did you do? And this is, these are the things that he said. And this is, for some of you, this is like the gold right now, okay? Because this is going to save you to do this. He says, I took one character trait of God and did a deep dive. And I was in the middle of the feeling like, God, you love me, but I want to die, And he wasn't that he was being suicidal. He just wanted to die. And he said, I deep dove into who God was and studied everything I could possibly do about it. I decided I was going to live by the witness of my spirit and not by what I was feeling. My feelings are not my barometer. The word of God and the promises of God are, and they cannot be in charge of my life. He said, I'm going to practice my superpower. I love this. You know what your superpower is? gratitude. And then he said, okay, you know what I was grateful for? And I was thinking, you know, some big spiritual thing. He said, sometimes my life was so crappy that I saw a bird on my windowsill and I said, thank you God for that bird. I said, seriously, that's all you got? (laughs) That's all I got. But that I realized over those two years was a superpower that I had that absolutely held me through this. 
He said, you know what, I decided that I was going to share the joys and the pain with not just one person, so they didn't get overburdened, but I was going to actually look to Jesus because I knew ultimately, even though in relationship I find it, it's actually only in God that I find strength, and it's actually only in him that I have a jailbreak. My friends, I believe you and I are in a place that is unique that we have never experienced before. That I think you and I have an opportunity right now to begin to practice and do some of those things with each other in relationship, however we can do them. Because there is something coming where people are going to realize that I don't got this. And they're going to be looking to us. And the thing is this. You have the Holy Spirit and you are anointed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And and there's going to be a little hand popping up in just a second. And if you would do this... If, if you want to say, you know what, I actually don't got this. I know that. I know that I need God to move into my life. And you maybe, I'm not saying, did you have a bad week? I'm saying maybe, you know, is this something that you maybe need to do for the first time? Or maybe you've completely rejected God. You need to come back. Now is the time for you to do that. Just press on that hand right now. And you can uh, do that. And we're going to pray this prayer. And I'd like you to pray it out loud and speak out these words. Because that's important. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he has anointed me with the Holy Spirit. And what I have cannot be taken away. Not by my emotions, not by my thoughts, not by my circumstances. Nothing can take you away. I love you, Jesus. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. I thank you for my jailbreak. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.